DW Deutsche Welle. Pulse. Hello there and welcome to another edition of Pulse. I'm Eddie Micah Jr. coming to you from Bonn, Germany. Coming up, we take a look at the aftermath of Kenya's election rerun after opposition leader Raila Odinga called it a sham. Disability is not inability. We meet a Ugandan-based British woman who is helping inspire disabled persons through music and dance. And finally, go-go funk music still goes on in Washington, D.C. Do stay tuned for the details right here on Pals. In our first story, Kenya's opposition leader Raila Odinga has referred to the presidential election rerun as a sham and has declared that he will not recognize President Uhuru Kenyatta as the winner. Odinga has vowed to continually push for electoral reforms through protest. With voter turnout reported to be about 40%, President Uhuru Kenyatta was declared winner after amassing 98.2% of the votes cast in the election rerun held on October 26th. But what is likely to happen amidst the different standpoints of the ruling and opposition parties? I caught up with DW's Crispin Mwakideo and sought his opinion as a concerned, well-informed Kenyan. It puts the country in a very compromising situation, a very difficult situation, because supporters of both camps will continue to, to have very differing views about which direction the country should take. So I think it's going to be an interesting uh, thing to see what steps Raila is going to put in place mm. to ensure that he achieves what he wants, and mm. that is to, to have these electoral reforms mm. and a fresh election mm. in the near future. If there is no legal challenge mm. to President Uhuru Kenyatta's victory, then he will be sworn in mm. as per the constitution. Mm. I, I doubt whether that will, is, is, is going to be very, very easy for him, because um, as we saw also, uh, there were civic society groups that came out and say that the election was completely a sham, it was not uh, properly organized, and it was not, uh, um, it doesn't have the, the popular uh, vote. In other words, they, they did not agree with the credibility mm. of the poll. So that alone says that there are bound to be challenges mm. uh, for President Uhuru Kenyatta. And it's going to be not an easy task for mm. him. Even with this mandate, it's not going to be easy for him to govern the country, mm. because it showed that a majority of the Kenyans did not participate in this election. I think Raila Odinga recognizes that this is his best last chance to become president of Kenya. And so I don't think that he is eager to share power with Uhuru Kenyatta. He wants to prove that he has been the champion of democracy. He's the one who championed for a new constitution. And he wants to prove that he is the one who will bring about a credible electoral process in Kenya. He wants to be remembered for that. Now, it's not going to be easy because, as we know, the, can't, uh, the president has his supporters and they believe that the process was fair and they believe that 
their candidate won fair and square. He, however, still seems to want to have his people on the street still to uh, calmly, as he puts it, to uh, you know, show their you know, position to the current results. What do you envisage? Isn't this a cause of concern? It is a cause for concern. It is, it is very worrying. Um, and I'm not the only one. I think a lot of Kenyans and a lot of observers and those who are interested in Kenya are closely following the, the developments. Odinga uh, announced after the election that he was going to transform the NASA coalition into a resistance movement. Now, that, of course, is a radical move because, in my opinion, I don't think that Kenya requires a resistance movement. What Kenya needs is a strong opposition party that checks the government, uh, holds it to account. But I don't think we are at that stage where we can say that we, as Kenya, need a resistance movement. Having said that, I think that his supporters are still that... Um, I don't want to use the word fanatical, but they, they do take very seriously his message, his statements, his rhetoric. And whatever he says, they really, really, you know, believe in it. He has that power. He has that conviction. I don't know how he does it, but he does. And if he calls people to take to the streets, you will still see pockets of protest and violence here and there. But overall, I think most Kenyans are tired. They are tired of the politicking. They are tired of the, of the stalemate. They are tired of this rivalry between Uhuru and, and Odinga. And they just want to move ahead with their lives. I was speaking to DW's Crispin Mwakideo. Moving on, disability is not inability. So goes the adage in the different local communities in Uganda where the increasing population of persons with disabilities is at 12%, with young people in the majority. In order to inspire others, a group of seven Ugandan youth have joined Splash Group for Inclusive Dancing, where persons with disabilities perform in music and dance with able-bodied persons for commercial and entertainment purposes and to build confidence among people with special needs. The group was founded by Helen Birmingham from England, who has been living in Uganda for four years. She told Pulse that disabled persons can be more productive and earn respect once given the opportunity at any given time. Frank Giga has filed this report. A few meters away from the Oasis shopping mall in Kampala city center, I hear the sound of serenade music coming from the basement. The closer I get, the louder it sounds. As I get closer, I see a group of seven disabled and able-bodied dancers swiftly dancing to the music. Joseph Tebandike, one of the dancers, is walking with the support of crutches. Out of curiosity, I asked him what motivated him to join the group. It has always been my dream to inspire many people with disabilities, to show them that they can also do something. And this is one way I could show to the world and to those people with disability that you can also do something. According to the reaction feedback we are getting from people who are seeing what we are performing, they're really liking us and every time we are performing they're like, you guys should come back. That really keeps us moving and gives us more energy to train again and giving something different. Smiling. Maintain eye contact, guys. They all dance to the beat while following instruction from their instructor, Michael Howard Ahumuza. He's moving in all directions on the dance floor, observing all dancers and making sure they all move to the rhythm. 
He tells me, with the vast experience and skills he has in choreography, he is able to teach his dancers the right moves, regardless of their physical disabilities. The style that we use a lot that, we, that communicates best uh, what's within us is contemporary because at the end of the day, their disabilities restrict them from some specific dance styles. So we find that contemporary is one of those dance styles that actually will so easily incorporate both. It's, it's the kind of dance style that is inclusive. Uh, movement is easy and not segregative at all. Yet some dance styles might leave out those that are disabled. For example, if uh, we say Pantsula from South Africa, it's strictly footwork. And if we have people who don't have legs. So contemporary, even the little part of their body that could be there, uh, whether they are disabled just up to the knees, just a movement of that area, like we have Kevin, can still be interpreted as a movement in contemporary. So I would say that's the style we focus on a lot. Um, but then the able-bodied dancers we have, like Priska and uh, Brendalyn and Ivan, those now can do all the other styles that we want. Um, so when we are choreographing, we choreograph to tell a story, to tell the splash story. These people all have stories. You, you, you came here thinking it was just dance. We're telling you we have a weightlifter on the national team of the country. We have the wheelchair race champion. And these are all people you cannot look at and tell that that's what they are. Atite Priska is enjoying every moment of her dance rehearsals. She's not disabled, but dances with the disabled. She tells me she is in the right place at the right time with the right partners because she is a university student doing arts and majoring in dance. Dancing with the people with disabilities and yet you're not disabled feels natural and heartfelt, like you have something they don't have, but on stage you people are producing something that is unison. But now when it comes to the choreographies, there are some movements like the disabled boys can do and yet I cannot do. But then when the crowd sees that they are doing it, they will wow because they have done it, but not because you have done it. So it makes you feel like it's a complete package if you try to mingle and understand the reason as to why you're all working together. We have Helen here, the founder of a group of persons with disabilities. It is now seven months since Splash Dance Group was founded by Helen Burningham, the lead choreographer and instructor who has been living in Uganda for nearly four years. She says she was saddened to see young disabled persons being unproductive. The youth have a lot of energy. They have a lot of strength. Um, many of the people on my team have different uh, gifts. Uh, some of them, uh, they might have physical disabilities, but they're also basketballers, uh, weightlifters, aspiring DJs. So I think the youth have that energy. They don't want to give up. And for dancing, you need a lot of physical fitness. Uh, so that was my um, idea for having young people involved and to give them something positive to do with their time. Twenty-year-old Mobiru Kevin is not only a dancer but also a wheelchair basketballer. Both his lower limbs are missing, but he's unstoppable in dancing. He uses his hands to do what he wants to, but above all, he's living his dream. 
since I was child, yeah, I loved dancing a lot. So like when I got this opportunity of Splash Dance Group, I was like, wow, I should join this group because this is the right place I should be. Edson Gidawakunzi is the director of National Union of Disabled Persons in Uganda. He says these young dancers are demystifying that all is possible and all they need is a conducive environment that will support them in their area of trade. We always believe that disability is not an ability and therefore we need our younger person with disabilities to be able to be productive in their communities by doing all sorts of decent work. And some of the decent work relates to, of course, music, dance and drama, some of the younger people with disabilities are doing. And this is an opportunity then that actually as government we need to take advantage of such a productive and useful younger people with disabilities to be uh, supported to come out to be important citizens in the community. And the drama and the music is one of the key components of our culture here in Uganda. And we believe uh, these are areas where they expose their potential. There are so many people who are not even disabled but don't doing anything. They are not innovative, they are not productive. But when a young person with disability or a group of them comes up to be productive, uh, doing their work through music, dance and drama, this is something that I think a government should take up very strongly to profile this case and support them to be much better. The introduction of inclusive dancing of the disabled with able-bodied persons is another way of fighting stigma and proving to the world that their ability is greater than the disability. In only seven months of their existence, the seven young members of Splash Dance Group are already making positive impact in communities by communicating through music and dance. For DW, this is Frank Yiga, Uganda. Staying on the subject of music and dance, we fly across the Atlantic to Washington, D.C., the U.S.'s capital city. Now, you might think the city is famous for the White House and the American president, but since the mid-60s, the city, which has a large African-American population, was well known for a genre of funk music called go-go. Even today, it remains pretty popular. And now one band who is big on the scene are about to take their music back to its origins in Africa. DW's multi Rewa Kalman has more. I love it. It's the most incredible beat in the world. Anytime you just hear this beat, it just makes you want to move. I can't imagine me having a life without Gogo. I just always loved it. Donnell Floyd is on stage with his band, Team Familia. The venue, a sports bar on the outskirts of Washington, D.C., is not sold out. But the few hundred people who came are dancing, swaying, heaving up and down as one body to the beat of Go-Go, the U.S. capital's very own music style. Every city gets their chance at uh, stardom. Uh, New York had hip-hop and uh, Atlanta has the Dirty South and... It gives us a chance. Gogo music means to me that we have an opportunity to have our own identity as Washingtonians. Donnell was born and raised here in D.C. 
He's a true go-go legend who's been in the game for more than 30 years. During his career, he also played the saxophone alongside a name even bigger than his. You know who Chuck Brown is? Chuck Brown. Chuck Brown. The Godfather soul, Chuck Brown. Give me the bridge now. Chuck Brown was the godfather of Go-Go. He passed away five years ago and then it looked like Go-Go could die with him. The number of bands and shows had dwindled. Many traditional Go-Go venues in central DC had closed down. For the last 20 years or so, DC has been undergoing extreme gentrification. It's been rapid, it's been aggressive. The black presence is being erased in the city. And like, I think it's very important that that does not happen to Go-Go. That's Natalie Hopkinson, who wrote a book on Go-Go. She says it's under siege. African Americans proudly started calling DC the chocolate city in the 70s because it was the first majority black city in the US. But by 2011, the share of black Washingtonians had fallen to below 50%. Gogo to me just represents that sort of perseverance and that, look, we're here. And not only are we here, we're celebrating. We're having a good time. We're gonna, uh, you know, we're gonna create music. We're gonna fellowship with each other. You know, we're, it's, it's very exuberant. For now, the conga beats are still rolling in D.C. Gogo has its peaks and its valleys, and um, uh, right now we're going through, obviously, a valley, but I push for Gogo because it's just, I want the world to hear what an incredible thing that D.C. has been uh, living with for the last 35 years. And soon, Donnell will finally get the chance to do so. He and Team Familia will take Gogo out of D.C. to Africa. We were invited to play for the king of F.A., FA Nigeria, and uh, we're extremely excited. We've never done anything like that. I don't think we've ever been out of the country. It's just a, a wonderful opportunity. So whatever people say, DC's go-go artists might have been a little bit down, but they are definitely not out. After all, go-go is called go-go because of its beat. That go-go's on and on and on and... And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of Pulse. We hope you enjoy the show. But don't forget to follow us on Facebook by visiting DW Africa. Many thanks to our studio team and thank you for tuning in. Join us again next week for another edition of Pulse. I'm Eddie Micah Jr. Have a great week ahead. Oh